Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. That's right. Alex, great job. Amen. To get up there by yourself and sing that way and lead worship, tremendous. And you're still very young. What are you, 19? Listen, I think we're going to be getting her a whole lot of more help next week, so that'll be taking place also. Uh, yeah, so uh, that'll be next week. Now, I'm, I'm going to be with you for the next few weeks until Mike gets back. And I've been praying about what I should speak about. Uh, I'll tell you where I'm heading today. Uh, well, uh, a lot of stuff. To be honest with you, I was torn between two things, and I may be able to knock out both of them. At Foster Street, I'm doing a sermon series on the temperaments. Here's, now I'm not going to preach that this morning here. Here's what I have discovered in my life since COVID-19 was upon us a year ago, well, just a year ago. A lot has changed in one year, and I know we all would agree with that. Uh, this time last year, we were having service outside because we had to. And so a lot of things have changed. I know since last year, and I think I told you this when I was here last time, I've had 63 suicide calls in one year. That's a lot of calls, y'all. Suicide. Uh, some of them did commit suicide. On top of that, we've had calls, I've had calls with relationships, fighting. I mean, fighting, buddy, fighting. Lord have mercy. This is something else. And uh, I don't claim to be a counselor. Uh, I like doing counseling when it comes to this stuff today. But I have been doing more marriage counseling in the past six months than I have in my whole life with couples. And what has happened, COVID-19 showed flaws that was in the marriage and we were around one another so much, and we thought, man, we got some problems. And so it was all shown that. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I remember back in 1983, that's a long time ago. In fact, it was October 31st, 1983. And maybe you remember this if you were around. Uh, Korean airliner 007. That's quite a phrase for an airline flight. 007 took off from Anchorage, Alaska with 269 people on board. A few minutes into the flight, the pilot set the airplane on autopilot. Uh, that was a bad mistake because when he set the plane on autopilot, here's the big mistake. He set it a half degree off course. Now that's not that big of a deal one minute into the flight, a half a degree off course when it's on autopilot. Five hours later, they were not one mile off course, 
they were 250 miles off course and they didn't know it. So the plane takes off, 269 people. Autopilot, it's a half a degree off course. Five hours later, they fly into Soviet airspace, 250 miles off course. When that happened, a Russian jet sent a missile into the fuselage of the plane. I don't know if you remember this. I remember it. And killed all 269 people on board that plane. They thought it was an enemy coming into Soviet airspace. They sent a missile into the plane and killed 269 civilians. I remember it. i tell you how I remember it. I had mono. And I was laying in bed at Southern Wesleyan. And that's when you just had, you know, not all the channels. And I remember seeing it come on TV. And it showed baby dolls floating up on the uh, shoreline. And they were talking about Russia has killed 269 innocent people. Again, one minute into the flight, just a half a degree off course. Five hours later, 250 miles off course, and they didn't know it, and 269 people died. Well, Charles, good history lesson. So what? It's a big deal. You and I have had things happen to us in our life that might have happened in 1983. It might have happened in 1993. It could have happened just last week. And it got us off course in our life. And years later, it is still affecting everything in our life, and we're kind of messed up. My, I'm 59 years old, and I know what I'm supposed to do for the rest of the ministry I have on earth. Do, I don't know how long it's going to be. Two things. Disciple believers, big time. Second thing I got to do is help people like you and me Believers to get free. Now, when you hear that, you think, well, Charles, you're talking to the wrong crowd because, brother, in case you don't know it, I'm already free. The Bible says when the sun sets free, it's free indeed. So let's say you got saved 35 years ago. Were you free from all the junk in your life when you got saved? No. She says no. She is right. She's very correct. No, I said free. Uh, in fact, there's a verse in John chapter 5. Let me look at this. John chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? I read this a thousand times, and that verse has always amazed me. He's been a cripple for 38 years. 38 years. Jesus has no type of public relations skills. And he walks up to this guy who's been a cripple for how long? 38 years. Now, what would you do if you was beside Jesus? And Jesus says, you want to get well? Now, what kind of question is that? 38 years, he's a cripple. Everybody knows, here's the town cripple. This is the guy. And Jesus has the audacity to say, Oh, by the way, Fred, do you want to get healed? Uh, I've read that verse many times, and 
A lot of people this morning, they'll say they're a child of God. There are two ways you know you're free. There are just two. You think there'd be more, there are just two ways. Number one is this. Have you forgiven everybody in every event in your life in the past? So I'm 59 years old. That means at 59 years old, everything in my past and all the people I've forgiven. That's a big deal, would you say so? Second thing, everything that's been done wrong to me by words and events, I've forgiven. That's the one. The second thing is this. In all of my life, I can give thanks in all things for what's happening in my life. For everything. Now, if I can't do those two things, in all things. Notice it says, in all things give thanks, not for all things. In all things. In this circumstance, I give thanks. God's able to bring good out of this bad circumstance, right? So I'm able to give thanks for everything. So if I can give thanks for everything in my life and forgive everything in my life, why is that so important? I'm not asking if you're born again. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But can you forgive everybody in the past? And can you give thanks in everything? If you can't do one of the two or two of the two, are you free? Are you saved? Yes. Yes, but you're not free. Are you going to heaven? Yes, but you're going to heaven fifth class. I mean, you should be the abundant life. Jesus says, I come that you might have life, not just life, but what kind of life? Abundant life. I heard an old preacher say it to me this way, life is when you go to a rest home, and there in the rest home, you see a bunch of old people in wheelchairs and in beds, and you see life. Abundant life is when you go to the playground of a daycare. That's abundant life. Now, there's a lot of Christians who are living. But again, people should be able to look at our life and see, man, you've been through the very same junk I've been through. And let, look how you've, you have come out. So I have a few questions to talk to you about. What keeps us from getting free? It's just us here this morning, so let's talk about it. So I'm born again, but there's things in my life that I'm not free from. So what keeps us from getting free? What? I think that was the number one answer, ladies and gentlemen. From the survey today on 615 Hoover Street, the number one answer is pride. Pride as in what way? Why, why is pride such a big deal? And it's big. Why? We don't want anybody to think we don't have our act together. We got an image to maintain. We want people to say, look at us. Look what I got going on. Uh, pride's a big deal. I'll tell you another one, fear. I'm afraid that if I show you my weakness, my pain, you will take my weakness and my pain and you'll knock me in the head with it. Fear. Another one is deception. You say you're free, but you're not free. Huh? There are some things that keeps us from getting set free in our life, and it's there. Uh, 
let me give you a, a few facts. Someone said the greatest sources of suffering are the lies we tell ourselves. That's a big quote. And so we got to understand what we're going through in life. Now, th thoughts about hurts and traumas. Here's number one. Life hurts. Can we have an amen right there? Living life hurts. This life was not easy. I mean, the word of Job says, man's days are full of trouble. And so if you live long enough, you're going to hurt. Whenever you do counseling, and if you talk to any counselor, they will always do this. They will sit down. Let's say you come to me and you say, Charles, I have a problem with low self-esteem. Right? Low self-esteem. Always the first question that I want to ask that person is this. Tell me about your mom and dad. So if you got low self-esteem, tell me about your mom and dad. You know, we're coming up on Father's Day in, what, two weeks? Paul Vitz, I read this book, and I'm bringing this book, and I'll show it to you. Paul Vitz was an atheist. At 39 years old, he's got his Ph.D., and he's an atheist. He wrote a book. I'll bring it to you next week so you can see it. I bought three copies. I don't know why I bought three, but I got three. The book is entitled this, Faith of the Fatherless. Odd book. He became a born-again Christian. And he wrote a book on atheism. He wrote a book on 3,000 years of atheism. Now, that's amazing. How would you research 3,000 years of atheism? So he, he researched all famous atheists. And he has them in order. And he talks about their life in this book. And I'll bring it next week. I'll say it for the last time. In that book, there's one common denominator with all atheists. And he brings it out. All atheists, guess what? Hates their dad. They hate their dad. And their thought is this. If there's a God, and he's like my dad, there can't be a God. Paul Vitz hated his dad. And so the reason it's so important to know about your life growing up, well, I, I mean, I'll just give you the, the, the stats. 50% of a child's personality and character are shaped by the time they're three years old. 50%. 75% by the time they're five years old. So 75% of a child's character and personality is already formed by the time they're five years old. Five! You know, people go keep nursery. They say, well, I don't want to keep nursery. It's a waste of time. Well, no, it's really not. It's really phenomenal. Remember my grandma, Grandma Williams, my grandma died at 89. Grandma kept nursery until she was 87 years old at Guilford Wesleyan Church. And grandma, she knew how to keep nursery. She'd always bring a, bo a box of vanilla wafers. And kids loved my grandma because of vanilla wafers. We got pictures of my grandma keeping nursery at Guilford Wesleyan Church. And she's sitting in that rocking chair in the nursery with about five little kids around her. And she's got all those five kids. One starts crying. She gives them a cookie. 
Come on, a cookie. Gets a cookie and they get happy. But here's what my grandma would do with all those kids. Get this. Talk about ministry of, of kids changing. Every time my grandma would keep nursery for kids, my grandma would pray for each kid out loud, lay her hand upon their head. And then when mom and dad came and picked that child up, you know what grandma did? Prayed with mom and dad in that baby and told that mom and dad, you have no idea the influence you're having on this baby at this young age in life. My grandma didn't know these facts. But my grandma knew one thing. It's important for mom and dad to show their kids what love is and what hope is and what trust is and just build it in the foundation of their life. She knew that. And it's key. I'm telling you, we want to know, tell me about your life growing up because it's going to happen. And as a child growing up, think about this. Think of the people you're at the mercy of. So here you are. You're in first grade, right? You're now at the mercy of your mom and dad. And get this, most mom and dads don't know how to go through trauma. I have no idea. We don't teach our people, but we're teaching you now what to do when you go through hard times. And so mom and dad don't know what to do when they go through hard times. Do you think they can teach their kids? Absolutely not. And so their kids are at the mercy of a mom and dad who has no idea how to go through hard times. And so what kind of wisdom is mom and dad giving the kids? Not very good. That's why the Bible says in, Deut in Deuteronomy 6, God says this, Mom and Dad, you teach your kids the Word of God. And four times a day, you give your kids the Word of God. Do it in the morning. Do it at night. Do it when you're on the road. Do it when you're in your house. Give your kids. Just don't give your kids the Word of God. Show your kids the Word of God. You don't have to have a family altar. This is supposed to be something that as you're going each day through life, you teach the Word. When something comes up, you say, here's what the Word means. Here's what this means. That, that person just told me off. And here's what I got to do as an adult. I got to forgive that person. Now, I can't do that. God's got to do it through me. What am I doing? I'm teaching my kid not sitting down at a family altar. I, I'm not against that. But life gives us plenty of examples every day to teach. Right? Yet, they go by and we don't even see it. You're in a classroom every day and the classroom is called life. And we're taking a test today and today we'll have some pop quizzes come up. And as those pop quizzes come up, guess who's watching our reaction? Kids. You watched your mom and dad. Well, how they reacted? How did mom and dad react? You watched them. It can't be mechanical. Now let's sit down and read the Bible. No, that's fine. But it cannot be mechanical. It's got to be something. This is something that you just don't give an hour a day to. You live it out. That means as you're living life, you're showing your kid, here's how you do this. Here's how you apply this. Here's how you do that. Well, why don't we do that? I'm not going to shock you. We don't know how to do it. Are you out with me? Yeah. Uh, 
my favorite quote, y'all know it by William Wordsworth. I love this quote. Y'all know what I'm going to say. The child is the father of the man. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. This just does. By the way, I'm going to show you something. I got a new phone. See this phone? Now look, now look. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a smartphone. Look at that. Flip that baby up. Flip it down. My phone will ring and I'll say, hello. Don't have to hit a button. Then when I'm done talking, I got to go. Put that baby back in my pocket. Hey, it's ringing again. Hello. That's something, ain't it? Old school, isn't it? I'm sorry. Ed wants one. I don't blame me, Ed. Okay, y'all, listen. The child is the father of the man. What's that, what's that phrase mean? That's quite a phrase. Think about it. The child is the father of the man. The child is the mother of the woman. The child is the father of the man. What's that, Charles? You become, you know, yeah. Plus, it also means this. The child is the father of the man. The child is the father of the the child, the child in me is the father of me. Get it? So what happened to me as a child affects me as a man. That's what it's saying. The child is the father of the man. You know that verse in Timothy where Paul says, in a large house there are vessels, good vessels, and vessels of honor and some dishonor. That we're all the house of God right here. And in, in this house, there's some vessels that are living for honor. We're living our life for honor. And then some of us are not living with the wisdom of God. We're living in dishonor. And then he says this. There are vessels of gold, silver. That's good, right? Then he says there are earthen vessels, which means wood and hay. Now, what's going to happen to wood and hay at the judgment? It's going to be burned up. And burned up symbolizes what? This is not any good. So I did things in life. I did things in church to magnify me. And God says, I'll burn that up. This is not going to stand. If you're trying to exalt you, I'll burn that up. But then he says this. Flee youthful lust. Quite a verse. And I... In a great house, here's the house of God, there are vessels of honor and dishonor. Some of gold, some silver, some earthenware. Next verse. Flee youthful lust. Now he's talking to adults. So that means one of two things. Either uh, they're still young, and they got youthful lust, or, or, there are points of control in your life that hit your life in your adolescent years, and it still defines you today. So here's the question. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. Are you in bondage to anything? 
For example, are you in bondage to jealousy? Are you very jealous? Do you have low self-esteem? Are you in bondage to pornography? Are you in bondage to uh, divisive words? Okay. Here's what we want to know. Where did it start? Now, I guarantee if we talk one-on-one, we will find out that whatever bondage you have today in your life started as you was growing up. And it gained a root of bitterness. It gained a root of stronghold. And it's still there. Now, you can turn over a good leaf, but you're not free because you haven't taken the root out of your life. The child is the father of the man. Are y'all with me on that? I mean, I could preach this all day. I remember when I first felt my greatest shame in my life. First time. It's vivid. I remember where my whole view of me changed in one event. Six years old, first grade, Guilford Primary School. I've told you the story. I'm sitting down at the table. My teacher, Miss Hardy, I remember it, man. Says, class, I want you to write your name on a piece of paper. Remember that big paper in first grade you had? Big old wide stuff. You know what I did. I wrote Charles, that was no problem. But that last name Moses flipped me. And I didn't know how to stop spelling Moses. It was awful. M-O-S-E-S-S-S-E-S-S-E-O-S-S-E-S-S-S-S. I mean, it went Charles Moses. Miss Hardy, she didn't mean harm. Went by the desk, saw my writing, picked up my paper and said these words. Charles, I said, class, look how Charles wrote his name. The whole class burst out in laughter. And I remember putting my head down like this in shame. And it did something to me. I started stuttering, all that kind of, why? Because I didn't have much self-esteem anyway, but that event did me in. No, I can't blame that event for me. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I cannot blame anybody. You see, you'll never get free in life if you, if you keep on blaming people. Who you are today is your choice. Right? You can't blame your mom. You can't blame your dad. You can't blame the government. You can't blame anybody. No, 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 no. You got to say, I am who I am today because of my choice. I'm an adult and I make choices. But when it comes to bondage, the bondage set up somewhere. And I'm telling you today, wherever you are in your life, one-on-one, when it comes to your self-esteem, when it comes to the way you view yourself, when it comes to the way you love yourself, if you don't love yourself, it started as you was growing up. And think about this. We are at the mercy of a lot of people growing up. We're at the mercy of our mom and dad. We pray to God our mom and dad has wisdom. Then we pray to God that we're around teachers that have wisdom. 
Then we pray we're around coaches that have wisdom. Then we pray we're around Sunday school teachers and church people who have wisdom. Think of all the people you're around growing up that you're exposed to with influence that put things in your life. Hopefully, you're around people who have wisdom and they put it in right. But many times, that's not the case. Because many times, we're around people who they themselves don't love themselves. And if they don't love themselves, do you think they can teach you anything about God? Do you see the predicament we have? And that's why the Word of God says we are to equip the body of Christ. We are to set what's been broken, what's been damaged. You're born, in the, you're born in the image of God. And so when you become born again, you're broken. You get right with God, and then God wants to take those pieces in your life and put it back together. Question. Have you, have you ever had this thought? What time is it? Have you ever had this thought? Why didn't God, when I got saved, just fix me like that? Isn't that a good question? Isn't that right? I mean, I, I thought that. Have you? I mean, when, when God forgave me of my sins, why didn't he at that moment say, okay, Charles, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a stamp on you. You're totally whole. Have you had, have you had that thought? I have. Why didn't he do it? Do you have an answer? Okay. I don't think y'all heard me. The question is, have you ever thought when God forgave you of my sins, did he, forgive, did he forgive all your sins? Yes. All your sins were forgiven. Okay, when he forgave you of all your sins, were you totally whole? No. Why? That's right, we're whole there. But are we whole on earth? Why? True. Well, I love talking to y'all. It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, you would think that when I got right with God, God would want to have me as the best example I could be, right? And he would say, Charles, you humbled yourself under the power of the Holy Spirit and you repented of your sins and I wiped all your sins away. You asked me to forgive you. You acknowledged your sins. I've forgiven you. I've wiped all your sins away. You've never sinned in my sight. You're clean, bud. Glory to God. I'm so clean that I could go to God five minutes later after I said, God, forgive me of my sins. And I can say, God, you remember those sins I sinned? And he'll say, nope. Well, God, I know you got to because five minutes later I had sins from here all the way to Mars. 
got no sins. No. God has forgiven me of all of my sins. Glory to God. But, is my life fixed? Don't it make sense to you again? It does me. (laughs) Doesn't it make sense that God would say, since I've forgiven you of all your sins, I'm going to fix you completely right now. Man, you can walk and you can show people now. Wouldn't that, mean, wouldn't make a whole, wouldn't that make a whole lot more sense? It does to me, but that's okay. <laughs> now, why didn't he do it? Good question, didn't it? Pardon? It's the trials that make us who we are. That's correct. Anybody else? Do you want to be fixed? That's pretty good. Ian. Do you want to be fixed? What were you saying? That's true. That's very good truth. All right. I'm going to answer it this way. And I'm done. Although I've got a lot more to say. You know you're getting old. When you can preach and you never get to your point. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I remember I'm 59 years old and I can remember hearing people preaching and they never got to the point. I'm thinking, man, you're old. And I'm doing it now. I mean, I never get to my point. I love it, though. Okay. Now, here's what's funny to tell you. Now, I had that stroke. My short-term memory is not good. And I just forgot where I was heading. <laughs> <laughs> but usually, it don't bother me because you know what preachers do with that? They, when preachers do that, they say they're in the bull rush. And so what preachers do then, they'll just keep on preaching until they figure out, okay, I know where I'm at now. Okay. <laughs> But I'll tell you, I forgot where I was. <laughs> okay, where I was heading, I'm thinking, look at this verse. Why don't we get zapped right back? Now, here's, here's where I was. Thank you, Lord. Who do you go to for wisdom? Is there that many people you go to for wisdom? Okay. Calaris asked this question a lot. Why? Why not? I'll give you the answer because they don't have wisdom. Right? Well, why not? They've been in church their whole life. You would think some have been in church their whole life would have wisdom. But they don't. You want to get healed? Who's at the gate every day? He's at there every day begging. You want to get healed? You're in church every Sunday. You want to get healed? You don't go to him for wisdom. They haven't got healed. Wow! Am I making sense? Okay, what time is it? 
Let's go with that one. Let's go with that one. Let's go with that one. I don't know where it is. It's okay. Here it is. This new phone says, whoa, 1029. <laughs> I like talking to y'all, I do. Back to my point. You, you don't go to that many people for wisdom because they don't have wisdom, right? You would think after being in church their whole life, they would have what? But they don't. Okay, I'm going to end this up in three, three minutes. Why don't they have wisdom? Now, they may tell you who wrote the book of, Gen, of Genesis about Moses. They may tell you the four, first four books of the New Testament. They have a lot of knowledge. Is knowledge wisdom? In fact, knowledge will puff you up. Well, how can we go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and we still don't love ourselves? I mean, how can I expect my wife to love me when I don't love me? Last year, all I've had, they don't love me enough. Well, do you love you? No. Well, then how do you expect them to love you? Right? I don't love me, so will you love me? Okay, will that person ever make you happy? Why? Because you don't love you. You have given them an impossible job. I don't love me, but will you love me? No, <laughs> that's what I would say, I can't do it. Because I will never please you. I will never make you happy. I will never satisfy you. You'll always find fault in me. I'll never be anything for you because you don't love yourself. That's where the phrase comes up, messed up people, mess up people, hurt people, hurt people. I don't love me, can somebody love me? I hate, my, I hate myself, but can you, can you love me? I can't, I can't stand myself. I don't like my face. I don't like my body. I don't like my, I don't like, I don't like my past. I don't like anything about me. I have no self-esteem. I have no value. But will you love me? And then we got these people teaching their kids growing up how to love themselves too, and they don't love themselves. And then you wonder why we're in the mess we're in. Oh, do you know the Bible? Yeah. So what? You don't love yourself. Did the Pharisees know the Bible? Yes. Did they love themselves? No. They thought they did. They didn't even think they did. Well, I don't know. They were deceived. They were deceived. Yeah. They were deceived. What's the greatest commandment, Lord? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, soul, mind, and spirit. And the second commandment is what? Love your neighbor as, as you love who? As I love me. So if I don't love me, 
I can't love you. If I haven't forgiven me, I can't forgive you. If I don't show grace with me, I don't show grace with you. And if I'm not patient with me, I sure won't be patient with you. You know what I found out, y'all? This book is amazing. Rest of my life is for this, y'all, to teach children of God how to love themselves. That's all. I'm going to answer my question because I went over my two minutes. I could talk all day. I just don't know. 2 Corinthians 1-4. I'll read it to you. I'll read the verse 3. Ready? Then we're saying amen. We're going home. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Here we go. Who comforts us in our afflictions so we are able to comfort those or others who are in any affliction with the comfort we receive from God. So the reason I get healed is I'll get my scars, beautiful scars. Remember the verse of John? You, you would have thought Jesus on a resurrected body could have picked a body without scars. <laughs> He's God. You think God would have picked a resurrected body with no scars? Tom said, I will not believe. Jesus said, you see my scars? They're beautiful scars. All of us have scars in our life. That's the first point, the only point I got to. Life hurts. We're hurt by people, events, words, physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, life hurts. But if we let God take those scars and heal those scars, you and I always minister best from our deepest pain. So the worst event in your life is where you will minister the best. Right? Now, your mom passed away. How long ago? A year and a half. And it hurts bad today. Now, you know who could help this dear sister out? Someone who's been through what she's been through. I've been through it. 16. Because that scarred got healed. 
And now I, I got a scar from my mom down in 1978, but it's a beautiful scar. And I can look back now, and I can, not because of me, and I can give thanks for God that my mom died. I couldn't have said that for a long time. But God took that pain in my life and I learned wisdom. I learned grace. Genesis 50, 20, what the enemy meant for evil. See, the devil will use anything as a landing place. He doesn't play fair. And he'll use that place and he'll say, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, your mom wouldn't have died. That's why we're the body of Christ and we need one another because everyone in this room has got scars. Some of us just don't want to show them. But next few weeks, we're going to get them healed in the name of Jesus. Amen, y'all? All right. We done? Says, please shut up, Charles. You've talked for a long time. I'll be back. Same bat place. Same bat time. Anybody remember that show? I know a lot of y'all don't. Same bat channel. Bat! <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, in this sanctuary this morning are some incredible people that you've redeemed. Their sins are forgiven. But Father, we need to have the Holy Spirit take those areas where we've been hurt so bad and Holy Spirit of God heal those areas. There's great ministry there for us to be used by you for. So, Lord, in the next few weeks, I look forward to see what the Holy Spirit does. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. Shake hands with eight people. You're free to go. See you back next week. It's a hot day. It's summertime. June 22nd. Is that right? Summertime starts June 22nd.